The Listen In Podcast is excited to announce that we are now available to stream on Google Play Music. We've been available on iTunes and Stitcher for a long time now, and we're excited to add Google Play Music as one of the streaming services that we're available on. Um, Check us out on there if you're a Google person. You can find the link on Twitter, at ListenInPod. We recently tweeted it out, and you can click there and you can follow us at that link. Let's start the show. Welcome, everyone, to the Listen In Podcast, the only music podcast made by white guys talking about indie rock. So kind of bad boys of podcasting. I'd say we're the bad boys of podcasting and that we definitely carved out a niche mm-hmm. doing that. I, there's not enough like kind of geeky, white-bred dudes talking about indie music. Um, so yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that we've, we've really... That's our corner. It is. We've owned it. Like the liberal, like... Upper middle class yep. kind yep. of, you know, we take things too seriously. Yeah, yeah, that that's yeah. us. Because we have no like actual challenges in our lives, so we need yeah. things to be mad about that are. Fake. We need to like break down art. That's right. Welcome yeah. to the show, everybody. Yeah. Well, so we're a mu- music podcast. That's right. Uh, if this is your first episode listening, uh, you know, this is going to be a long episode. We're talking about the all-time music hot streaks. That's right. In this episode, but the first thing we wanted to do. Quickly dive into a segment, discuss some new music that's coming out. Hot thoughts. Some hot thoughts. Uh, so we have we have just two hot thoughts this week, uh, and this is thoughts, not as in things that you think. This is nope. thoughts. T H O T's. Um, new Animal Collective single. We're getting a new EP on Friday. Kind of bonkers that that's coming out on Friday. There you go. New single is called Kind of Bonkers. New EP is called The Painter's EP or Painter's EP. A little tie-in with painting, yeah. painting with. Yeah. Yeah, so still clearly drawing on that painting with aesthetic. That's right. Um so you listen to this. What what are your thoughts on the the new Animal Collective single? Um so I've only listened once or twice. Um and my basic thoughts are that like again, I I just feel like new output from Animal Collective doesn't get me that excited. But I did feel like this song got into kind of a nice groove near the back half. I forget what they're saying. I'm trying to open Twitter because I tweeted at Josh about it. Big friend of the pod, big shout. Um, they're, they're like near the end of this song, they go into this kind of like secondary groove, this secondary sort of lyrical thing um, that I really liked. What were your thoughts? You know, new Animal Collective kind of bums me out. Because our, like, like what we consider good from Animal Collective now is the groove on the back half was pretty good. That's where we're, like, drawing the line now. We're like, oh, yeah, okay. There was something about this song that wasn't completely boring. I found it. It's the end when they're singing the lyric, Unity of All Kind. Okay. That's the lyric that's kind of going on behind that. I'm kind of with you. Like, I generally like this song. It wasn't bad. Um... You and I were both unimpressed with painting with as an album. More or less, yeah. It was a pretty big disappointment. Yeah. Uh, it was one of our biggest disappointments of 2016. This was fine. Yeah. I don't know. It, I think Animal Collective as a really important, capital I, important and great indie rock band has kind of passed. I think Meriwether was their last, or well, the Fall Be Kind EP was their last great output. I think Centipede was 
okay. Yeah. I thought Painting With was not that great. So I want to get know. your perspective on this. Big friend of the pod, Josh, who I just referenced before, we were going back and forth about this. He said this song would have been his second favorite on Painting With. Yeah, oh, I agree. That's how disappointing Painting With was. Right, and the thing is, like, I, how, did you listen to this song a bunch? I only listened to No, I listened once. Yeah, and I, I enjoyed it, and I don't have a ton to say about it. Except no, either. I will probably listen again, and, you know, maybe... I, the one thing I said is, like, you know, maybe it'll grow on me a little bit. I can see this growing on I me. I guarantee what's going to happen with this EP for me is I'm going to listen twice... Never listen again the rest of the year. Honestly, depends on the length. Like if it's if yeah. it's just short enough and I like say it's six songs and I like three kind of I, a decent amount. The, when you just said six songs, I was like, I don't want six new animal click. I want like four tops. I don't want six a six song EP. What if it was animal what if it was one of those EPs that was six minutes? It's six songs. Thirty minutes. Twenty eight minutes. So it's like, oh, you just came out with a new so album. So it's like a, it's an LP of basically. fucking B-sides from the album that just wasn't that good. Yeah. So I... <laughs> That's a hot thought for you. That, that is a hot thought. And I agree with you about Painting With. I think I'm going to give... I'm going to give... A I got to keep an open mind. Kind of bonkers yeah, another yeah. chance. To move to another hot thought. Second hot thought. Yeah. Very hot thought. Yeah. Th- okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sean texted me yesterday. I'm in a meeting at work. Yep. Um, and I look at my phone. There's a text from Sean that says there's a new Sun Kill Moon coming out on Friday. New Sun Kill Moon album, full length. He's like, it's streaming on Sun Kill Moon's website. First of all, this is the first quick thought. You just said it was streaming, and so I'm trying to look for it. And so many music blogs poach when things are streaming, yeah, oh, and yeah. they just say, like, stream New Sun Kill Moon, and yep. you click on it, and the stream's not there, you have right. to find a link. I must have done that with four, like Brooklyn Vegan, probably Stereo You gotta, like, kind of search for the you link. Did, and then I found out it's just on his website. Right. So... Sean, t- talk about the first two songs. If, oh, so the first two songs, I really enjoyed. Right. It, channeling Benji, his 2014 album, which we both love. Loved it. It was channeling that whole vibe and sound in those themes to a T. And I was like, yes, we're going to get Benji 2.0. I'm going to love this. In both songs, there was like these parts that were both emotionally resonant with me. I was like, oh, man. like he's He's doing that thing where... He talks about details like he did on Benji that like no other songwriter does. Ended up, I, you know, I'm at work. I don't need to be listening to Mark Kozelik's like talk singing storytelling while I'm trying to focus on things. So right. I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna listen to this another time. It's not the right time, but I'm encouraged by what I, what do I listen to? So the, enter me, enter me from stage right. I'm at work. I decide, you know what? I I don't have anything else new to listen to. I'm just gonna dive in with this Sun Kumun. I'm gonna I'm gonna stream it. So a couple things off the bat. One, it's on his website. Two, you don't get a list of the songs. Three, you don't get any hint as to the song length, even on the on the player, even on the music player. Right. It doesn't say how far along you are in the song. It doesn't say how long the song is, and it doesn't really give any indication. And so, um, I'm listening through. And the first two songs have to be ten minutes each. They are. Oh, they are. They're they're really they're, long. They're very long. And I'm like, this is crazy. And I'm like, yeah, these are pretty good. And I'm getting through it. Third song, fourth song. By the end of the fourth song, it's like I feel like an hour in. It's like how long is this? <laughs> I start looking on Twitter and I see Stephen Hyden tweet. He's like. Uh, the new Sun Kill Moon album is basically a guy talking over a Casio keyboard. It's like, oh no! <laughs> I see people tweeting back to him. Like it's a double album, right? He repeats. It feels like a quadruple oh, album. Oh no! <laughs> I shit you not. I started this album. I, I I really think it was like 2:20 in the afternoon. Took one quick go to the bathroom break. 
I finished the album around four thirty. It's dark out by the time you finish. It's got to be over two hours. I really yeah. wouldn't be. I wouldn't be surprised if we get the official runtime and it's over two hours. And I'll leave it at this because we got to move on to other stuff. But he's doing some interesting stuff on yeah. there, and you do get glimpses of of that Kozalik that you you really like. Like you said, the sentimental stuff, the really detailed lyrics. There are some songs where the detail he's going to is so deep into the minutia. And so fucking boring. Dude, you know how uh, Song for Newtown or Pray for Newtown yeah. on, on uh, Benji was about disasters? Yeah. On the, dude, on the be- last like eight, ten songs on this, he must reference one every other song. <laughs> every other The album may as well be called Mark Kozelik Finds Out About National Tragedies. <laughs> he references them so much. And there are some songs, like there's one, uh, Bastille Day, yeah. where it's him like talking over this riff that's like this corny, schmaltzy, elevator riff-sounding oh, blues thing. Oh, my God. It's, it's like, some of this is seriously so weird and unlistenable that I need to listen again just to see if what I heard was real or if I was, like, somehow, if there was something in my water that day. Oh, man. Because it was like, I, I couldn't believe it. And it, this feels like, to me, like his Metal Machine music by Lou Reed. You think he's just trying to, like, alienate people, I, troll people with this? What? I don't know. There's, or do you think he's being 100% genuine serious with what he's trying to do? It could be a combination I, of both. I, I, I seriously think, based on the interview I read with him, and Connor Oberst interviewed him about this album. Yeah. He was talking about, like, there's been so much shit going on all all this stuff, these events and tragedies really seem to impact Mark Kozelik. Oh, I guess what he talked more about like friends he has in places yeah, in the world. Yeah. Oh, and in this interview, he's like, you know, I've lo- known a lot of people who've died, and that's the like the worst tragedy yeah, you could yeah, ever yeah. experience. Like he says that I think on the second song when he's like just talking. There's one song where he imitates a conversation between him. And a, like a music journalist, but it's just him talking. It's him as both. Oh my god! And he's making fun of the music journalist, dude. Like you have to hear this, just so that someone else can witness it. Is this trending from it's so over the top bad? It's gonna end up being good if you can maybe listen a few more times. Here's the thing, I because it's so long, I my mood swung so far because <laughs> I I get to a moment where it's like okay, all right, yeah, no, maybe we're in a group. I here. like what he's doing here. And then the song would switch on a dime. Like, there are seriously five or six songs that start off, and it's like him basically just, like, talk singing over, like, a sparse yeah. bass beat. Like, just bass and drums. And then it'll switch, completely turn, and it'll be, like, that nice plucked guitar. Yeah. And he's kind of singing over that. You're like, okay. like, wait. <laughs> But as soon as you get your bearings, he fucking switches it again. It's it's so disorienting to listen to, dude. It's such a weird album. So he said... It's absolutely we're insane. we're spending more time on Sun Kill Moon are. than we, we thought. Are. But this is so interesting to me. This is fascinating. This new Sun Kill Moon album. He was saying in this interview, he's like, yeah, I played every every uh, instrument on this album except for, like, some saxophone or something. It's like, okay, fine. He said, though, he's like, I don't really know how to play bass or drums or keyboard. I play one note at a time, and, like, cool stuff comes out of it. Apparently, it's not cool, and it's just boring and weird. Here's what I'll say. Some of the music on this is so flat boring and yeah. inspired it's it's actually crazy like i it, some of it seems like a joke wait till you get to bastille day dude wait till okay. you hear what this is okay. it sounds like the worst version of like blonde on blonde dylan oh yeah like that kind of like think rainy day women yeah. 12 to 35 think like that but like not kind of, fun 
Yeah, where it's like a like kind of like a like that like a joke organ kind of sound, but like with like a general blues thing. And the whole time he's talking about some really serious shit. I I'm gonna stop there. We can get into this when you've listened to it, but. I, fucking buyer beware with this yeah. Sun Moon album. Interesting. Um, and, and definitely don't listen without knowing what you're getting into. Just listen, go listen to Benji if you're not yeah. familiar. And if you don't like Benji, don't even sniff this album. Here's the thing. I left uh, one last thought. I finished the album and was physically tired. Yeah, wow. I was in like a bad mood. <laughs> That's not good. I was in a That's bad not mood. Because it, it felt punishing. Yeah. It felt, it did. Oh, it, it felt like, because it's like, this is so long. Yeah. And wow. the thing is, is it's like it's mental torture too, because he's giving me a thing here, then he taketh right. away and right. whacks me right. over the, the the knuckles with a steel ruler. Wow. Anyways, that's enough about Sun Kill uh, Moon. Sun Kill Moon. Okay. Wow. Hot thoughts. Hot uh, thoughts. So now we want to move into our main discussion for this episode, which is all-time music hot streaks. I'm excited about this. So what we mean by all-time music hot streaks is a stretch in an artist or band's career where they could basically do no wrong. They were coming out with their best stuff, their best musical output, um, critically, sales-wise, uh, fan enjoyment-wise. How do we want to classify this, and, and how are we going to... St- I think it's a kind of a combination of everything. The way I've been thinking about it is a combination. I've been do- putting probably a little more weight in my mind on on uh, critical. Yeah. and like Because I think you can have some albums that have cult status that yeah. deserve this. I think sales, I mean, should play a part. Yeah. But I think generally... Like, you know, Imagine Dragons sells a lot of records. Right. I don't think you'd say that their two albums they've come out with, it, like, is the start of a hot streak. Right. You know what I mean? Because, like, there's some decent songs, but yep. it's not, they're not great albums. So I think it comes down to the quality of the album more than anything. Uh, yeah, cool. yeah, general quality. I think uh, cultural relevance as well and cultural impact are big ones because I think there's going to be some hot streaks and some artists that we talk about where maybe at the time they weren't, critically respected sure. maybe didn't sell it that great but years down the road people end up looking back and saying that was a really important album or stretch of albums or stretch in this artist's career so i think we're going to take in all of the ways that music can impact or 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 measure success well, one of the things we want to talk about with this too is we tried to determine what's the baseline what's the sort of watermark for what 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 makes a streak a hot streak. Yeah. How many albums does it take? And this was written about in some ways by Stephen Hyden, a big friend of the pod. Big friend of the pod. We reference yeah. him every episode. Kind of contemporaries, that's why. We're, yeah. You know, we're peers, Just peers. really. Peers. You know, a lot of mutual respect he's between a, He's us. been published in AV Club, Grantland, yeah. written his own books. We yeah. have a podcast every week. That's right. So well, kind of contemporaries and peers. Uh, but Hyden... Equals, if you will. Talked, he wrote this article in the AV Club. He talked about the five-album test. Yep. And he said, you can measure any great band, or, or like the real measure of a great band is, did they put out five albums in a row that were great? I personally think five albums in a row is a little too much. Too high a watermark. It's a very high bar to set. Because if you're talking five albums in a row, you're eliminating some people like Bob Dylan, the Rolling Stones, a lot of other really great bands that put together nice streaks but never hit that five mark. It's not fair to do it that way because the problem is, is you can have, like, and we'll dive into this a little bit, but you can have artists who 
would go on runs where they maybe had two or three yep. and then a couple stinkers or a couple that aren't considered as great or that people haven't it hasn't resonated with fans as much but then three or four more a streak later hitting five straight I think is too it's a sort of a weird bar in terms of that makes a band great I think that because you can have some artists who just have sustained every other album success right. for their career right. um, and so it, when we talk about hot streaks we kind of broke it down into some categories yeah we did yeah and I, and I think generally the main takeaway from this is we just want to talk about sustained success with yeah. this we want to talk about overall quality over a stretch of time that was uninterrupted and the best way that we could contextualize this yeah. was to compare it to all time NBA teams, all-time great teams, championship teams. So we've kind of broken this up into different eras and, and compared it to different teams. So we have the 1960s Boston Celtics with Bill Russell, who won, like, how many championships? It was like, 11 out of 13. Yeah, 11 out of 13. Yeah, so or that, 11 out of 12. Yeah, we have that, which is just, like, the all-time best of the best. Not going to be touched. Not going to touch that. We have the 1990s Chicago Bulls with Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen. They won six rings. They probably would have won eight if Jordan had stayed in the league. We're so, talking a minimum eight, Pete. Exactly. Have you ever seen that? No. It's SNL. Okay. Continue. Okay. So, we're, yeah, we're talking about really, really long. Not as much as the Celtics, but still very, very good. Then we get down into kind of the minimum, and we're talking the Shaq and Kobe early 2000s Lakers. This is three into that four range because they got to a fourth one in a row, I think. With Gary Payton and Carl Malone. And then they lost to the Pistons. So it's really that sustained success over three or four. Um, and then we kind of have some ones that just missed it or something happened where they couldn't sustain that success. And we're comparing these to kind of the 1989-90 uh, Detroit Pistons, the Boston Celtics with Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce, where they probably should have won more than one, but they didn't. Injuries, whatever happens, suicides with certain uh, artists in that list, with certain what have you. So we're we're breaking this down into kind of uh, and in these that ca- and in that category, we're saying it's like one or two great albums, yeah. but there there could have been potentially could have been more. Um, so let's let's start with the first category. Um, do you want to start from the top? Yeah, yeah. Let's let's talk. Let's. Let's talk 1960s Celtics hot hot streaks. So we determined that we're pretty sure the ultimate example of the 60s Celtics, and it actually kind of works out timeline-wise as well, it's the Beatles. It's the Beatles. Because they had, even if you're going to ding them here or there for for Magical Mystery Tour, Beatles for Sale, the bottom line is they had an unparalleled run of success and great albums um, really without ever missing stride. Right. And as long as they were a band together, they didn't miss. And every album they came out with kind of changed up their sound and revolutionized stuff and and was great. It helps when you have three of the four best songwriters of all time. Kind of like how if you're the Celtics, it helps that if you just have all the talented players in a, like a very small league. You, so you if you have, have Bill Russell, John Havlicek, and Bob Cousy and or Tommy Heinsohn, you're going to be all right. That's right. And, and so the Celtics, it, it's an interesting corollary here because... Um, with both that 60 Celtics, those 60 Celtics teams and the Beatles, where a lot of modern uh, basketball fans and um, sort of music fans will kind of uh, try to take stuff away from those that band and those teams is like, yeah, they were great for their time and they were revolutionary for their time, but they wouldn't beat teams today. Right. The Beatles aren't doing stuff that's as cool as bands today. And the thing is, is 
sort of on the other side of that, bands today and and teams today in the NBA wouldn't be doing stuff that they're doing. They wouldn't be able to do it, and they probably wouldn't have the same concept of an album or of winning a championship like without that parallel, without looking at what those teams did, right? And what what that what the Beatles did in right. the '60s. Great point. And we've talked about the Beatles a ton on this podcast. Yep. You can go back and listen to some other Beatles episodes that we've done. We counted down our favorite Beatles songs. I think we did a full Beatles episode. So. Check those out if you want more Beatles talk from us. The other equivalent of this all-time streak, the only one we could really think of was Miles Davis, the the great jazz... Trumpet player, trumpeteer, slash band leader. Yeah, and that was talking jazz. Everyone's asleep now. Because <laughs> well, no, and I'll, I'll leave it at this. But the bottom line with Miles Davis is, I was looking at his discography to try yeah. to break this down, and he would go on these streaks where it would be like three albums, one you haven't heard about as much, three straight albums that revolutionized jazz, and he did it twice. He did it in the fifties <clears throat> with like Kind of Blue in that era. Like he had kind of a run from Roundabout Midnight to Sketches of Spain. And then he kind of did it again with albums in the late 60s and into the 70s, from like Nefertiti to um, uh, In a Silent Way to Bitches Brew to On mm-hmm. the Corner. Mm-hmm. Like, Miles Davis is kind of a similar like artist to that those 60s Celtics teams where he was just every time out winning. Right. And right. and pretty much always critically acclaimed, never in question that he was like the, the greatest. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's great. I think Miles Davis is a better comparison to Bill Russell than anyone in the Beatles would be to Bill Russell. <laughs> For a lot of reasons. Yeah. I'll leave it at that. Yeah. I'll leave it at yeah. that. Yeah, all right. Now, So now that we've gotten that out of the way, kind of the unassailable, like, of course, you know, the right. Beatles are going to be mentioned in the all-time hot streaks. Quick, quick disclaimer yeah. before we dive too far in. Like, listeners, we're going to miss people. We're we not going to cover every Good single point. streak of all time. Good point. So if we miss someone, like if you're like, hey, what about this band or artist that had seven albums out of eight that were amazing? That was a great hot streak they didn't talk about. Tweet at us. Let us know. Yeah, because we're not going to hit on all of them. Also, I mentioned at the top of the show, you know, we talk about rock music most of the time. Okay. We're a couple boring dudes. So we're going to miss, like other genres. We're going to probably miss rap. We're probably going to miss R&B. We're probably going to miss like electronic and new wave and, and ambient and stuff like that. We don't know enough about those. We will. And then just a quick note, probably Brian Eno, the, the ambient one through four, that could be a run. Yeah. That I don't think we had in here. But I added a note later in our notes about rap that we should be able to get to sure, when we get there. Sure. So let's start in on, I, I think a really fun one to, to start with is this Jordan's 90s Bulls. Yeah, just yeah. all-time dominant can't argue with any of these five or six in a row. So let, let's talk about some of these. So I think one that comes off the top of my head really easily is Led Zeppelin's run yeah. from 1968 with Led Zeppelin 1 all the way through 75 with physical graffiti. So in that stretch, you had Led Zeppelin 1 through 4, you had Houses of the Holy, and you had physical graffiti. Pretty insane hot streak to the point where like it became legend that they sold their souls to the devil. Physical graffiti. When that is being brought up yeah. as a potential thing, you know you're on an all-time hot streak. Physical graffiti. It's you know how when people talk about Jordan teams yeah. later on in his career, they're like, we didn't lose just because Jordan wouldn't let us lose. That's what's happening on physical graffiti. The songs aren't really there. No. They're doing it on charisma alone. They're yep. doing it on like we're fucking Led Zeppelin. We're just yep. gonna do our thing and you're gonna love it, and it's the truth. It's we're and gonna will you to not until later albums did that kind of start to wear Dude, out. Presence and In Through the Outdoor are the two wizards years for Jordan. That they matches are. up so perfectly, actually. That, I yeah, just thought of it's that. It's too perfect. It is too perfect. So I, I think 
uh, Houses of the Holy, in my opinion, is probably the 72 and 10 season. I think I that agree. actually matches up year wise, too. Wasn't that 96, 97? Yep. Yeah, the yeah. fourth one or fifth yeah. one would have been. The fifth one, yeah. So. Wait a minute. No, no, sorry, that'd be 97. 97. Because you're talking basically Houses of the Holy would have been Led Zeppelin 5. So it's the fifth one. Right. So that would be because they won three. And then they the, the ninety six season was the first of the second three. You're right. You're right. You're right. So it doesn't match up perfectly. Not but quite. I think houses is probably the the big one in there. Um, from that era as well, though, you're also getting Neil Young. Yeah, quietly going on a run. Yeah. Um, between everybody knows this is nowhere, which came out in sixty nine, I think. Yeah. Um, and then that carries through with albums like uh, On the Beach. What else is in there? You got Tonight's the Night. Yeah, um, after the gold rush, after the gold harvest, rush, harvest on yep. the beach, tonight's the night. Um, yeah, so that, that's a five. That's a five run right there. That's yeah. really really strong. I feel like Neil Young doesn't get talked about a lot in terms. of... Maybe it's because his output is so large. People kind of forget that sweet spot of sixty nine to seventy five or seventy six, where it was just everything was great. Well, the thing is, Neil Young is is a uh, dynamic too. Like yeah. people think of him, I think I think people hear Heart of Gold and Old Man, and they're like, oh, he's kind of a one note guy. Right. It's not. No. Really be farther from the truth. Like. Some people call Neil Young the godfather of grunge because yep. he was like a forebearer of he would drop uh, drop tune his guitar and play just just the grimiest heaviest yeah, sounding heavy. guitar cinnamon uh, girl uh, yeah cinnamon girl like distorted distorted ugly sounding guitar yep. and he would just make it sound awesome um, and yeah that's that's as impressive a run as any so as you move through the seventies and you get into the eighties when we're talking about five six great in a row. Bruce Springsteen comes to mind. And yeah. you could go about this in a in a couple different ways here. So you could start it with Born to Run. Yeah. And you could go Born to Run, Darkness on the Edge of Town, um, Nebraska. But, oh, no. sorry, uh, The River. The River. The River. Sorry. Sorry. The River, Born in the USA, Nebraska. Some would include Tunnel of Love. Yeah, I was going to say you could but include on the, Tunnel on of Love. on the back end of that, too, on the start, if you didn't want to start with Born to Run, you could technically start with The Wild, The Innocent, and The E Street Shuffle as yeah. well. So that is a potential, like, seven, eight album run. Personally, for me, I don't love Nebraska. I can't really get into it. I think the thing is, is, like, when you start getting into that area of, like, if you want to include this, yeah. it could be that. Because if you were getting, if you're really getting into seven, eight albums, then like he could theoretically be included in that the top, the sixties, sixties right. Celtics right. Um, echelon. But I feel like just gut check, you can tell that's not it's the not, case. It's not. It's not with with Steen. You know, for me, and this comes down, and you're, we're going to get into a lot of this, where it's yeah. like, you know, if you really like this band, you'll include this as an all time great. If you don't, you might not. Right. Wild, the innocent, the E Street Shuffle, probably not great enough to sneak in. And honestly, unless you're way in on Springsteen, Tunnel of Love probably doesn't hit that either. I know some people check, love it, it. Doesn't? I don't think it gets in. Even for me, Nebraska doesn't. So it kind of depends on how you feel about Bruce and yeah, and how your gut feels. But there's that. no questioning that's a run for sure. Um, we'll jump now to the '90s, yeah, where we start in with Radiohead. Um, yeah. And so talk about a run from the Benz. To OK Computer, to Kid A, Amnesiac, which you could you could say is a it depends how much you like Radiohead, but I think Amnesiac deserves to be in there. And then you have Hail to the Thief. That's and another then, one where it's like it depends on how much you like Radiohead. I think both Amnesiac and Hail to the Thief are very underrated albums by them. I I agree with very you. good. I I think no doubt that belongs in the streak. Agreed. And then in Rainbows to top it off. Yeah. So. 
no matter how you break this up, like you could say there's definitely, definitely an unassailable three-peat to, yeah. to kick it off. Yeah. Like the Ben's OK Computer um, and Kid A, yeah. you can't question. Right. And the thing is, is if you like those, you're not going to not love That's Kid uh, Amnesiac. And I think what ends up happening with Amnesiac and Hail to the Thief, and to an extent, King of Limbs and yeah. Moonshaped Pool, which... I don't think we're including in... Radiohead's never made a bad album. No. But the problem is Radiohead gets compared against Radiohead. Radiohead They're all-time best albums. So people listen to Hail of the Thief. They listen to Amnesiac, and they go, well, is it OK Computer? Is it Kid A? No, it's not. But it's still better than what most bands are putting out. So, yes, it still belongs in this streak. And I think that, really, that's one of the strongest streaks we've had in in recent years. Yeah, Um, I agree. Speaking of recent years... Yeah, so two, two of the strongest recent 21st century streaks here, two kind of polar opposites. Opposites. That's true. The first one I think is pretty obvious to people. It's Kanye West. Hey, and, and you were dinging us for not not talking rap. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. Like the we're most obvious about, rapper yeah. of all time to talk about. <laughs> right. So Kanye came onto the scene, college dropout, obviously, and then you move through late registration, graduation, uh, twisted fantasy. Oh, 808s. 808s and heartbreak. Twisted fantasy. Jesus. So here's a question for you. Life of Pablo. Does Pablo belong in this streak? Dude, I don't know what to make of Pablo. A lot Pablo. of people would say Yeezus doesn't belong in this streak, actually. Dude, some people love Pablo. I know. I mean, I think it is definitely good. Um, I don't know what it was. Maybe it was because I was listening to more music than ever before, and I never... It, what A Kanye album wasn't as important on its own as it used to be for me. <laughs> right. Um, but it just doesn't seem to fit that bill. For me, if you're going college dropout, late registration, um, graduation, into 808s, and then Twisted Fantasy... That is that five that's right there. Five. I mean, that's and even, then Jesus is six. Even if you want to get rid of Jesus, like because let's say that we'll say Pablo's debatable for us, Jesus might be debatable for some others. Right. Um, that's five straight. Some people would debate eight oh eight. No matter how you look at it, though, this yeah. is the way I look at it. No matter how you look at Kanye's, the worst case scenario is it's like he won five championships in eight tries. Yeah, like that's exactly. the worst. And the rest of those times, he went to the conference finals. Exactly. Or like got to the finals. Yep. So that is yeah. It depends on how you feel about eight oh eight because that one's like smack dab in the middle. Yeah. And if you want to make an argument either way, you kind of need that one. Because um, I know, like, me personally, I like Graduation and Yeezus and Twisted Fantasy better than College Dropout, which a lot of people say is their favorite Kanye album. Right. So maybe for me, I don't include College Dropout, but a lot of people kind of would. Yeah, I much prefer the <laughs> mid-career sort of weird freak-out Kanye production to that early, like... Soul beats. mix up I mean, soul I, Kanye. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, I will say... Twisted Fantasy should count almost twice because that's the equivalent of the Patriots finishing 19 and 0. That's like the 19 and 0 album. Yeah, it is. That, it it's is. a perfect record. Yep. And it should count. You get two banners that's for that the, one. That's the 72 and 10 equivalent here. Right, of, it is. For the Bulls. Right, for the right. Bulls, yeah. And then what's interesting here is we have kind of a polar opposite hot streak. I don't think a lot of people are, when they're thinking, ooh, what are five, six great albums in a row here in the 21st century? The National. Yeah. The National have hit... Uh, in again, this kind of depends on how you feel, though. So they start off with their debut, 
it's fine. It's good. If you really like the national, you'll like it more. We're not including that. Then you start the streak with sad songs for dirty lovers, criminally underrated. Right. I think in recent years that has developed a kind of a cult following. Yep. Then you go into Alligator, which was really the thing that kind of broke them mainstream. Boxer was the thing that kind of solidified it. High Violet was the victory lap. Trouble Will Find Me was sustained success. It was. And now we're looking at a new album coming from them this year. I, I mean, I think it's already iced for them as like a great five, five Pete. They could make it a six right now. Here's what I'll say. The sports talking heads who are trying to make debate where there isn't any... They're saying, can we... They're, they're basically making the debate that before everyone knew Tom Brady was great, before people said... They were like, you know, the defense won him those first few championships. Yeah, that's exact- people are saying yep. that about... Sad songs. Sad songs for Dirty Lovers. Yeah. People are like, is that... Can we really include it? As good as it is, is it really a great album? The equivalent here, too, is the Spurs winning the championship in a lockout year. This <laughs> right. is a lockout year yeah, yeah, win. Because yeah. it's like, people didn't really expect it. It came out of, like, nowhere. Yeah. You know, when we look back, we're like, yeah, I guess. And the thing is, is like, sad songs, as good as it is, it's not unimpeachable. No, it's not. Like, Trophy Wife, Sugar Wife, there's some songs on there that are like, you can definitely, you could ding them a little yeah, bit. Yeah, you could. You could remove you could. some points. But I will say, from Alligator on down to Trouble Will Find Me, what is that, five albums? Five, four albums? Four. Alligator, Boxer, High Violet, yeah, four yeah. albums. I mean, that's... Um, that's as hot of a four-album streak as, as in, in recent memory. Yeah, well, so if we're talking four-album streaks in, in recent memory, and this is we're kind of getting into that Shaq and Kobe early 2000s Lakers run here. Right. If you want to talk 21st century, there, there's actually a lot more streaks that open themselves up when we talk about three or four. Right. Two that jump to mind right now, um, Animal Collective, or a few actually, Animal Collective, Arcade Fire, Vampire Weekend are yep. all three 21st century indie bands that kind of fit in that same mold as the National. That's the, the three just, or four Pete. The three or four Pete, yeah. Yeah, uh, I agree. And I think Animal Collective, I'm uh, rather sorry, Vampire Weekend, is a band that has a, a real chance to to maybe make it. They definitely are about, I think, to they have a chance to do their fourth. Agreed. They're on the, agree. Because they've done three really strong. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, like Animal Collective is another. Sung Tongs or Feels, depending on where you depending want to start it. Feel. A lot and of people then, would swear by Sung Tongs. I like Feels considerably more. Yeah, I do too. But a lot of people say, no, no, no. Sung Tongs is where the streak starts. And then Strawberry Jam, right? Yes. And then Merryweather Post Pavilion. Yep. So that, yeah, that's three or four, depending on how you want yep. to look and at it. And that's some great EPs mixed in there, too. That's true. That's true. Uh, a little. Uh, they won an Olympics. <laughs> they got a gold medal in the Olympics. <laughs> right. That's, so to me, I'm going to give Animal Collective like a three-peat there. Yeah, I, I agree. A, a very strong three-peat, a potential four. So here's a... Arcade Fire is an interesting one. Because yep. I think you'd get a lot of people... That would say that's a that's a four peat with reflector. I disagree. I think there's an unassailable three peat there. I think it's funeral, amazing debut, neon bible, yep. almost as good. Suburbs was the cherry on top of the three peat. This is actually as close as you can get to that Lakers run. Yeah, because you had three on it. They like blew people out in the finals. They they, they fifteen in one playoffs. Fifteen in one. The only loss was to Iverson in Game One of the two thousand two thousand one finals. Fun fact. Fun fact. Um, this is the equivalent of that because they got back to the finals again, but they ended up losing, and that's where I think Reflector comes in, where it's like, yeah, it's good, it's really good, but they just didn't have enough to get it over the finish line. Just doesn't totally feel the same, and when you look back, it it, it only gets sort of uglier with age. Yeah. Here's the thing: the the high the high watermark for a four peat 
has to be the Rolling Stones 68 Absolute, through 72 yep. run. We've I, it, honestly it's such a four peat stereotype at this point. We've talked about it on this podcast so many, so many times. times. You go Beggar's Banquet in 68, Let It Bleed in 69, Sticky Fingers in 71, Exile on Main Street in 72. And the thing that makes that four peat seriously one of the best of all time is that they they end it with the best the one. Best. A double album that like is widely considered one of the best rock albums of all time. And yep. Beggar's Banquet, Sticky Fingers, and Let It Bleed are all considered, you know, in the next echelon down of greatest rock albums of all exactly. time. Exactly. Yeah, and I think for a four peat as like that that is really, really strong, I feel like you kinda have to cap it. Yeah. With one that's that great to really solidify it. Well, because then they come out with Goat, Goat's Head Soup fifth yeah. in '73, and it just it's, it's a, not the same. Yeah, I listened it, to that this year for the first time. It I was like, this has to be good. Like they're off this. It's really not as good. Yeah, it's and, just not. and that is coming off of the band getting into a bunch of drugs and a bunch of other stuff. Yeah, and that is it, for sure. You could already see the the fray starting to happen with Exile, and that's what made it so good, though, amidst kind of all of that yeah. that chaos. Um, you know, if you want to talk about um, the 60s era, too, though, Bob Dylan is another one that yeah. unassailable, bringing it all back home, um, Highway 61 revisited, Blonde on Blonde, right in a row. Yeah. That's, un- that's unreal. Three of the best albums of all time. Back to back to back. So Going back to back. I, I guess the reason why this only stays in the Shaq and Kobe Lakers category and doesn't get up into the Jordan Bulls is because... Times they are changing, and um, what's the one that came right before bringing it all back home? Another side? Another side of Bob Dylan are good, not great. They're good, not great. Freewheeling's considered great. Right. Um, It depends how much you love that early Dylan sound. I've always never had the biggest taste for freewheeling. I like it. I, I understand that it's great, and I understand why it's considered great. And I enjoy it because I like Bob Dylan, but it's never it's it's never top of mind to listen right. to. Um, where he goes on another little run is in the seventies. Yeah, he almost has a, uh, or he basically has a second one with um, what is it? Um, Blood on the tracks and desire. And what else is around that? If you if you want to argue the basement you tapes, you could argue the basement tapes with the band. I, um, so I've never listened to the basement tapes. I, I've listened to a few songs here and there. I don't think I'd include it. Even it's if wildly I, critically acclaimed. I know. It's I know. Wildly but, acclaimed. Yeah, yeah, maybe. And that's the thing is like that's because those go three right three in a row. That's right. That's like another three peat. And that's where it gets into the, the, the it's artists like Dylan where I most question Haydn's sort of bar of five albums straight because it's like a guy like Dylan I mean he probably had what in in 12 albums had like eight great ones right or something like that right, like right. so like why is that not like oh because he came out with uh Self-portrait in seventy, right. like in New that. Morning. Yeah, here's another great example. I think another guy who who fits that bill is is David Bowie. Yes, because yep. with Bowie, you get from the late '60s to the '70s, you get that run from Hunky Dory through um, Ziggy Stardust through Aladdin Sane. I think I'm missing one in there. Am I? Uh, I think that's it. That's three, right? No, that's that. Those it, three it's those row. three. That that one I think is the unassailable three. That's a three peat, definitely. Um, and you know, it depends how much you like Bowie. Some people will go back and be like, "Hey, the man who sold the world is great." But the thing is, is like in the seventies, Bowie goes on this run. He releases Young Americans, Station to Station, Low, Heroes, Lodger, Scary Monsters, and Super Creeps. So that's a six album run. And I think no matter how you look at that. There's three to five great albums in there. Yeah. And whether you think they're all back-to-back-to-back, I'm not sure. But the comparison I make to keep it with sports is like the San Francisco Giants 
and um, the Chicago Blackhawks of the past couple years. They always win on, on odd yeah. years. They win like every second, every third yeah. year, but they're always in it. They always go to like, you know, sort of like the, the ALCS or the NLCS yep. or the, the conference finals. Yep. But they're winning a championship like every other year. And the right. thing is, is like, no matter how you look at that run from young Americans to scary monsters, like, some people love low. Some people love station to station. Some people are all about lodger. Mm-hmm. Like, it, there, there's something in there for everybody. So that's where I think, like, five straight is a weird bar. It is. It is. It's yeah, I, I agree. That Bowie that Bowie comparison's really, really good. I like that. Th- so there's a lot that could fit into this. I don't think we need to really go in-depth on all of them. I want to rattle off a few. I think Bonnie Vare just solidified a three-peat with 22 a million, yeah, starting out did. with Ferrama, hitting Bonnie Vare, Bonnie Vare. Let's go quick. Let's yeah, pick so we'll one get quick. through that. Uh, Modest Mouse is a good one, too. I think that one you could, is, you could argue even that one is like a five almost because yeah. you start with this is a long drive. You get into Moon in Antarctica and um, uh, Lonesome Crowded West, but you also have in there good news for people who love bad news in 04, but depending on how you want to classify... Um, what is it? It's like a. It's kind of like a bullshit. No, it's it's like a B sides collection almost. That um, God, what is it called? I gotta look it up really quick. But so you could argue that yeah. that is in that streak as well. I I think I would kind of put it in there. Oh, building nothing out of something. Right. I I would kind of put that in there. So that's almost like a five. Going back to the seventies, really quick. You have runs from Pink Floyd with yeah. Dark Side of the Moon through Wish You Were Here through Animals through the Wall. And then you have the Who, who go That's the right. Who sell out to um, who's next to Quadrophenia. I'm missing one. Tommy. Tommy. That's yeah. yeah. So that's yeah. actually that's a, a strong four peat, depending on if you like Quadrophenia a lot. That's right. That's right. That's um, a good one. I actually like Quadrophenia more than the Who sell out. Really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I had do. a big Who sell out year last year. I know you do. Yeah. You got. I see. I've never like go, tried to go back. I'm to way it. It turned into me the who off sell when I was now. a kid. I was like, you, I, I didn't like get it. You like it more yeah. now, I think. Um. The replacements, unassailable three peat. Let it be, um, Tim, and please to meet me. Yep. Here's one: the White Stripes. They quietly put together a really nice career. They did, and they got in, they got out. I think Day Still through Elephant, because in that you have Day Still, White Blood Cells, Elephant. Depending on how you feel, you could say Get Behind Me, Satan, and Icky Thump are also in there. You could make it a five. Yeah, I think Get Behind Me, Satan is a little little weak. It it's, doesn't doesn't bridge the gap. It's again, it's the rule of thumb of if you have to question it. It's probably it's probably not. not. It's probably Here's not. another quick two for you. Guided by Voices. Yep. Had a three-peat with B-1000, Alien Lanes, and Under the Bushes, Under the Stars. Um, tallest Man on Earth. Yeah. From Wild Hunt to There's No Leaving Now to Dark Bird is Home. And even if you don't want to include Dark Bird is Home, I think you have a three-peat. If you like his earlier stuff more, yeah. you got Shallow Grave through There's No Leaving Home. Do you think so there's this three there. Tallest Man one is... I feel like Tallest Man on Earth is really specific to us. I feel like Tallest Man doesn't get the respect or attention that... We probably think he deserves. No, true enough. Yeah, true enough. Which is too bad because honestly, I I really like all of those albums. Dark, I've talked previously on on previous episodes how Dark Bird is Home I think is criminally underrated. I mean, I think yeah. What what happened with Talisman is it, I feel like he got a lot of critical love early. Yeah. Which peaked with the Wild Hunt and then tapered off. So yeah, that's true enough. If it if we're going off critics. Maybe it doesn't deserve it, but I think if you're going off how much his fans love it, I think that's a, you know what I mean. Like if you, if it's about what a tallest fan on earth, a, a tallest fan. <laughs> that's that's his fan club. That's got to be his fan club, the yeah. tallest fans on earth. I think you can qualify it. Um, here's one note, really quick. This is where I put the note about rap. Yeah. Um, 
I think for us it's tough. Like if you look at like Nas or Biggie or Tupac, we could try to bullshit our way through a conversation of like, right? We'll, like here are some runs they went on. I don't really know enough about Tupac's career. I think he had arguably a three peat, four peat, um, with the albums he put out. I don't think Biggie did. I think he had kind of less sustained mm-hmm. success. Um, but we we just don't know as much about those early right. rap albums. Like, like I bet Jay Z probably had a nice run too. He probably like, did. I don't know. Here's don't one know that enough. definitely did was a Tribe Called Quest in the '90s. Mm. I think their first album, which is People's Instinctive Travels and the Paths of Rhythm, sure through the Low End Theory, through Midnight Marauders. I know that I've definitely heard those talked about right. as as integral albums in in the hip hop circles. Yeah. So I feel like that's another run. Yeah, and that's a good point about rap. We really just don't know enough, which is too bad. That is a gap. We need to fill, Jake. I feel like we're. I'm just gonna listen like, to Illmatic soon. I, you know what? I should listen to Illmatic. Gonna, let's too. listen to Illmatic. We'll make it our <laughs> next week. Both our recommendations let's, of the week. Let's make a smart goal to listen to Illmatic. Next week, our recommendations of the week are yours is Illmatic, mine's <laughs> The Low End Theory by Tribe. <laughs> we we turn our podcast into a '90s rap podcast. <laughs> um, oh, here's one, Jake. Your favorite band? Uh, how could you forget Beach House? Okay. Nice little run here with Devotion Through Bloom. So Devotion, Teen Dream, and Bloom. You won't hear a complaint out of me there, because guess what? I like all those albums a lot. I do. Uh, you wouldn't know it. Uh, yes, you would. <laughs> here's one that's maybe more specific to me, but I think if you look at critics, sales, culture, this one is a for sure lock for 3 Pete. This is Drake. Take care through, if you're reading this, it's too late. So take care, then you had nothing was the same. Yep. Followed by the mixtape. If you're reading this, it's too late. Views does not qualify for this at all, it and doesn't. neither does his debut album. I won't argue here. I think that I mean, even though I like Drake, I think appreciably less than you. I won't argue with that. Yeah, those three, are three based great on albums. What I've heard and based on how they were received. Yes, I definitely won't argue with it. Um, ooh, just off the top of my head, um, does Kendrick qualify? Um, for a three-peat, it could depends on how much you like ADHD. What's that first album? Section, called? Section 80. eighty. Yeah. So I put that. Which is a this is a great transition, Jake. You are one step ahead. Great transition. Let's now get into the just missed it slash wrong place, wrong time slash extenuating circumstances slash they might have a three peat with their next one category on the way. Here. Yeah. So the teams we're talking about here, like I said, the eighty to ninety Pistons, they probably could have won more. The ninety four ninety five Rockets when Jordan was retired. There's an asterisk next to that Big a little time. bit. The 2008 to 2011 Celtics, who probably should have won more than just one championship. I think they could have won three. They, they could have and definitely should have won two. Garnett got hurt in the 09 playoffs. Here's, I think this is interesting, too. The 2012 to 13, 14 Heat. Yeah. Because not they, three, not, not, three, not four. four, not five. Well, you won two, so yeah. fuck you. So you're right, not three, not four, <laughs> not right. five. Two. <laughs> Two championships so for you. These LeBron. are the ones where it's the what could have been's uh, or what could be's of the world. And I think Kendrick's a great place to start where two unassailable, amazing works of the 21st century with Good Kid Mad City into Pimp a Butterfly. I think a lot of Kendrick heads, a lot of rap fans would say Section 80 for sure. Untitled thing- Unmastered is really good too. It's not great. It's really good. See, Untitled and Masters is one where it's like if if he comes out with the next official album, yeah. you can look back and be like, he's got these three, but remember he also did Untitled and Mastered, and that was really good. I don't think Untitled and Mastered makes a three right now. Do you think it counts? To, does it count against him, though? 
Say you're trying to make a three-peat and you want to start it with Good Kid, Mad City. And then you want no, to go... No, it does. It, well, it all depends on this next one. Right. So if this next one's also great, it only helps him. That's what will determine the streak. Yeah. The, right. That's yeah. A, a, this a, one. This one's just gravy. This is like the equivalent of the... The Animal Collective EP sprinkled in. This right. is the going to the Olympics, getting a gold medal for Kendrick. So some people might say that Section 80 already qualifies yeah. him for. A I've never listened all the way through. I've listened once or twice, and I, I did like it, but I don't. I don't remember it enough yeah. to say yeah. in good conscience. Here's a good one. Uh, Nirvana is yep. a classic one, and that's an extenuating circumstances one where. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, what, what's the? Never mind. I almost just called it "Come as You Are." <laughs> I almost just called them. Poser. Yeah, oh my god. My uh, favorite album by them is In Bloom. You know, Come As You Are, Smells Like Teen Spirit. No, believe it or not, I've listened to that album a million times. So never mind Into In Utero. Um, obviously, uh, unquestionable. Yep. Un- unquestionable to Pete. And so we never know what would have come next. Right. We don't know what would have been that next album. Odds are it would have been a three-peat, even four-peat by Nirvana. Um they arguably have a three-peat depending on how much you like Bleach. But I think yeah. if we're going by the rule of if you're questioning it doesn't count, yeah. then Bleach I don't think counts. So what you could also throw in here is the MTV Unplugged session. You but, could. But that is a lot of songs that were on past albums too. So it's not like it's new material. You right. could count it. So this is one where it could kind of go either way. It's questionable. You know what? I think because of how much I love MTV Unplugged, I'm going to give them a three-peat. Okay. Just just I'll, personally. That's, that's, that's in my heart. That, I'll, that's I'll just going to live that. in me. That's fine. <laughs> You're a fucking hero. Good for you. <laughs> uh, well, oh, here. Okay, I think this is the poster child for Just Missed It. I think yeah, you already know is. what I'm going to say. It's The Strokes. Yep. The Strokes started off so goddamn hot. They did. With Is This It? And then literally hot with Room on Fire. And not to say that First Impressions of Earth is bad, because I think it gets a worse rap than maybe it deserves. It's not a three. It's not. It doesn't make a three-peat, though. I'm sorry. And then since then, it's only been downhill, in my opinion. Right. Yeah, I agree. It's like, I mean, Angles and what's it called? Come Down Machine. Yeah. And the f- present, future, past, oh, whatever yeah, EP, yeah. which you hated. I, and I, I've erased that from my. And my I actually kind of liked. Yeah. Um, but I agree. I mean, like, there's really it's a two peat, and it's it it's one where it feels worse with every album, feels less emphatic with yeah. every album. Like with "Is This It," they went like, if it's a football season, they went fourteen and two, sailed through the playoffs, won the Super Bowl. It, Room on Fire, they went like eleven and five. And they may, they still won. They maybe got to the Super Bowl. They still won it. Yeah. Um, this uh, with first impressions. This, some people will tell you that that Room on Fire is better. Than I is dis- I disagree with that. But as I, do I, I. fine. If you want to say Room on Fire is their best, whatever. Enjoy being wrong. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, another one for you. This one kind of remains to be seen. It's kind of in that same category as Kendrick. Fleet Foxes. Uh, yep. This is up in the air right now. I think their debut. That EP too, Helpless is Blues. That's a great Sun-giant little EP. streak right there. If they can even do something that's like an eight out of ten, yeah. they got a three peat going right now. Here's someone whose career is tough to to gauge is Beck. Yeah, Beck's a tough one. As many good albums as Beck has released, he like he really has released a lot of good albums and a few great ones interspersed. And it really again it depends on your taste because you could argue that the run from like. Sea change, like what is it? It would be Odelay and then 
Like see, the thing is, there's, there's so many albums, yeah. and all of them start with M that I forget yeah. which ones come Midnight where. Midnight Vultures, because there's Mutations and Midnight Vultures and Mellow Gold and Modern Guilt, <laughs> right, and right. and there's I'm probably missing one. And right. there's so many in there where like if you like Beck, you're gonna like those albums. But his great albums are Odelay, I think Sea Change, and that's maybe it for his great great albums. I like Guero more than. Uh... Maybe any Beck album, to be honest. Right, with and you. the thing is, is like I like Guerrero a lot too. I think that if we're talking just like what's general consensus? Yeah, yeah. It's Odelay, Sea Change. Is that it? I think those are the great yeah, albums. Yeah. Those so like, and that's not a two peat. Right. That's like because there's a couple albums in between them. Yeah. But I I think he's one of those weird ones where the the thing of like consecutive great albums doesn't really apply. No, it, it doesn't work well it with doesn't. Beck. Uh, I think someone that kind of falls into that same category is Ben Gibbard with Death Cab for Cutie. I think Plans and Transatlanticism are, yes, definitely, those are two great ones right in a row. After that, though, you get, or before, you know, We Have the Facts, or um, you get Narrow Stairs after. I I don't think those are on the same level. People don't look to those as like, oh, yeah, these are essential. If you like, again, if you like Death Cab, you're going to, Put those in the conversation. But Narrow I think, Stairs caught a bad rap when it came out a little bit critically. It I did think, okay. I think since then, it's continued to. It did, yeah. That one hasn't aged well. It hasn't no. grown into like cult classic status like I think We Have the Facts has. The, the, Narrow Stairs is like Ben Gibbard's Depression Beard album. Mm. Like it's like kind of a. It's like, yeah. It's like, like a, right before he stopped drinking or something. Yeah, yeah. And I think he doesn't like it either. Yeah. Because it was like the most. Self-loathing. It's depressing the, as fuck. The most openly wallowing. There's literally a song on it that set that's called "You Can Do Better Than Me." But I can't do better than you. Right. Yeah, I know. Right. And then there's your new twin size bed. Yeah. Which, if you're ever feeling sad, pop it on. But yeah. like, if you're someone who's coming into this album and wants something kind of balanced lyrically, you're not getting it with narrow no, stairs. No, it's like a little too much. And narrow stairs is very openly. And you know what? For that, I kind of like it. But it is. It's very openly and unabashedly just a wallow fest. Yeah. And that's so, what it's all about. Yeah. So I think Death Cab just just misses as well. Here's an interesting one for you. I think The Clash. I was interested in this because yeah, I, this, I haven't listened to them as much as you, yeah. and I thought you'd have them in the higher no, ranking no. one. Well, here's the thing. I like every Clash album except for Cut the Crap, which I've never listened to because Joe Strummer was just doing weird Joe, Joe Strummer things, and Mick Jones wasn't in the band anymore. Too um, sad. Uh, Mick Jones. Is that it? That's not, Mick Jones is his name. Mick Jones. Sorry. I, I, was, I was getting confused with... Uh, Mick Jagger? Yeah, the Rolling Stones. Right. Weird. Anyways, Brian Jones and Mick yeah, Jagger. I, yes, that's what I was getting confused with. The Clash. You start off, you have their debut, The Clash. Amazing. One of the seminal, important punk albums of, of the 70s. Then you have kind of the less gritty, more clean production follow-up of Give Them Enough Rope. It's good. It's never looked at as like, oh, that's a great Clash album. If you're way into the Clash, you're gonna be like, yeah, give them enough ropes, good. And I think it's good. That kind of breaks the streak right there. You start a new one though with London Calling, and yeah, and that's Sand- a 19 and 0 season, it, right? And then Sandinista, those are great. Then you get into Combat Rock, which is as as great of songs as there are on Combat Rock. Straight to Hell, Rock the Casbah, Should I Stay or Should I Go. There's some clunkers on there, like Sean Flynn and like Adam Tan and like, you know, songs like that. General rule of thumb for me, songs that have like a full first and last name as their title, Mm. usually I'm not a huge fan. Yeah, so I I don't count that as in that three-peat either. If you're going to make the argument, I think it's... 
I think it's London Calling Sandinista Combat Rock, but I'm not going to include Combat Rock. Here's a quick, um, also sticking with sort of older, sort of classic rock. You know who weirdly never went on much of a run is either Paul McCartney or John Lennon. Yeah. Um, you could, so the thing is, is like McCartney, critics destroyed him for yeah. his entire solo career. The only one you could really ever give him is you could say, if you like McCartney, that first album, right. if you like it, and you have to be generous, you could say McCartney and Ram is a two-peat. But I don't right. think anyone would ever classify it that way. Uh, I think people would say it's it's Ram, and then there's like... And then it's banned on the run. Ban on the Run is like that's one more late career band right. that they hung up. Right. Like they're not you're not lumping back to the egg. That's or, like Brady Venus and Mars when he's 45. Right, because that probably will happen. Yeah, there's so many McCartney albums. He he was so prolific that like and he was so critically destroyed that you there's no way to tie a run together. Um, John Lennon has a two-peat, I guess, with Plastic Ono and Imagine. I don't like Imagine as much as some. No, I don't Because either. there's songs on there I don't love. Like, I don't love I Don't Want to Be a Soldier Mama. Yeah. Um, Give Me Some Truth has worn on me over time. I still like that album. I think Plastic Ono Band is his classic, obviously. Yeah. And then I think he hangs a late career banner with um, with uh, Double Fantasy. Right. That sort of hit. I mean, I don't love the Yoko parts, but right, it's right. A, you get seven John songs on there. But they yeah. never they never totally went on a, a great no, they solo, which is career. interesting because they were so good as you know what it is. You know what it is. That's Bill Russell Russ, as a coach. No, not oh, as a coach, oh. as a commentator. That's right. Where that's, he yes, that's yes. This is Bill that's Russell perfect. post eleven out of thirteen championships yep. as a TV commentator, kind of floundering, yes. not looking good on screen. That's perfect. Bill Simmons would be proud of that. Yes, reference. he would. Yes, big he show. Would. Big. This of the is pod. a very Bill. Simmons-esque thing to do, by it the is. way. We, we take a lot of influence from him. Big shout to Bill Simmons. Give us a job. Big friend of the pod. At the ring. We'll be your music podcast at the ringer. That's right. Um, couple more real quick. We have the band, music from Big Pink, and the band. Two albums in a row that got two, great yeah, reviews. Yeah, you know, I listened to music from Big Pink for the per- first time, end of last year. Didn't love it. I gotta listen to it again. Didn't love it. Because everything I've ever heard about that album is that there's this vibe about it. Um, it just has there's space and it, I think what it was it's maybe a little bit of a you had to be there album that which is another thing we're gonna do that's gonna be another one of these episodes yeah. is the what are the you had to be there's that's definitely one because the way I've heard that album described music from Big Pink is people were like they were a band that was playing really well together as five members and off each other and using space and not filling every single cranny with notes and like there were it was sort of like an organic natural groove yep. I just don't think it's easy for us to appreciate and I don't think it necessarily comes across great on record in 2016 2017 like it doesn't I don't know. I'm gonna give it another spin. Here's one that I should do because this is what this is just some fan service for me. Yep. I, okay, Aerosmith. I'm gonna give it to Pete. I'm talking Aerosmith. Toys in the Attic rocks. They never surpassed that because early on, again, it's the good, not great. Like I like their first album. I like their second album. Get Get Your Wings. Their first album, self titled. Um, and then Draw the Line on the other side, which came out after Rocks, they were just full-blown junkies, and it's totally a mess. Even I like songs on there, but it's a complete mess. So Aerosmith is a band that, they get again, they get made fun of now, and I think very deservedly. Like They're totally a punchline of a joke. But in the 70s, they were a legit band, and 
Toys in the Attic and Rocks were were two albums that are that are legitimately great, and they had a, a chance to string some together, and they kind of squandered it near the end, yeah. and they didn't solidify early enough with great albums yeah. with their first or their second yep. to totally make yep. that go. Uh, and then to wrap that up, Weezer, Blue Album and Pinkerton, all-time great, although killed critically Pinkerton at the, time. at the time, has become a cult classic. I don't think the Green Album, which was the follow-up, is... No. Anywhere close. Well, and then to they hit rock bottom. With like Ratitude and the Red Album. Hurley. And, and Hurley. Those albums got creamed yeah. quickly. They got so they get no chance. Um, so we kind of talked about some of these, but to wrap up our conversation, we wanted to look to some artists who we think have the best chance yeah. with history and with a little more context to become some modern day hot streaks. We already talked about Kendrick, we talked about Bonnie Vare. Fleet Foxes in the National. Do you want to fire weekend. through these one after another? Yeah, so I think the ones we came up with that we haven't already talked about are Frank Ocean, Grimes, yep. Tame Impala. St. Vincent's a sneaky one. I think that applies. She's been getting a ton of love critically. I think with I a little that. more time, I could see that. That one could be one. Tallest Man, Titus Andronicus, I think yep. with some time and context. If you're looking back at like what was the best punk music of this era, I think you're going to look at Titus Andronicus. The one I'm sneaking most excited for in here is to see what happens with Grimes. Yeah. I, I had this weird renaissance with her, with Art Angels last year. I just, for some reason, had this one to two weeks where I was listening to that album again a lot. Um, I'm pumped for Grimes. So I'm yeah, all in on her. I think she could, she could string together a three-peat here. I agree. Between I agree. Visions, Art Angels, if you're, and whatever If you're comes putting next. your money on who has the best chance... Of continuing their streak next time around out of these artists, um, who who you who are you giving it to? The best chance in my mind. Oh man! If I if I were to rank Kendrick, I think yeah, Kendrick if is, I, if is I the to, most likely. If I were to rank my three, it's Kendrick one, Frank Ocean two, yep. Grimes three. The rest are uh, kind of up in the air. I think, think Bonnie Vare is in that yeah. in that echelon. He's yeah. proven that he's not going to stumble on an album. Yeah, that's true. Um, and I think with Frank Ocean, it's weird to think of them as this is where it becomes weird because it's like. High volume versus consecutive. That's because right. Because if like, what would be better if Frank had four great albums out of eight he released mm. within twelve years, or would it be great if he do, he does Channel Orange waits however many years five six four years mm-hmm. maybe he waits another five years that's for right. another album that's like right. that's technically three straight but there's so much time in between oh and how are we counting endless in there too is that does that count I don't even anything? know what endless is exactly exactly and this is gonna be the conversation that starts happening when people like Beyonce are releasing visual albums yeah. and Drake is releasing the more life mixtape like how are we gonna start to talk about this I think the album might not be the barometer for how we measure hot streaks anymore. So we'll we'll see. That remains to be seen. Quick thought: Vampire Weekend is the Lakers post trading Shaq because they got rid of Rostam. Rostam mm. left, so there's no Shaq. This is going to be Kobe as Ezra Koenig as, as going it alone, gunning it. Yeah, yeah, just scoring 81 in 2006. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that team even made the playoffs. They didn't. I think they yeah. were terrible. They were bad. They were bad. They, 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 they beat. That was like a Raptors team that sucked that they beat. Yeah, that it was game. like yeah. And Kobe was like, All right, I'm just going to score that 81. Post Vince Carter Raptors. So I'll be looking out for Ezra Koenig to to drop 81 yeah. on an album. So, that'd be cool. It makes no sense. So that wraps up our talk about the greatest hot streaks of all time. I enjoyed that. Let us know. I did too. I thought. That was good. Let us know what we missed because we definitely missed some stuff. 
Uh, and let us know what your favorite hot streaks are. And let us know if our parallels to sports make any sense. I hope they do. I think they come I think across. with certain people, it will make sense. It yeah. would be cool. Other people will be like, who is uh, Michael Jordan? Who's Bill Russell? Yeah. Like, okay. Read a fucking Boston book. strong, dude. <laughs> Duncan tough, huh? All right. Uh, okay, so let's wrap up the show with a few of our favorite segments. First one. This we should is, get an intro music for segments. Yeah, we should. We should get like a little oh, like yeah. jingle to start segments yeah, off. Yeah, that's a good idea. I'll, I mean, I'll look into what we can, what okay, we can do for okay. that. Um, Mount Rushmore. Yep. This one came from big friend of the pod, Kelsey. Laura Dern. A, a.k.a. Real Laura Dern. On Twitter. Uh, I, got really, I got really confused by that. So did I. I. I was like, oh, who's this? Unfollow. I was so, I so follow back. goddamn confused by that because I saw... Like tweets about real Laura Dern. I was like, "What is going on?" She followed me. I was like, "What is this?" This is really bad radio, by the way. It is. Yeah, it's, it's bad. Terrible. And then uh, she started tweeting about Hamilton Lighthouser with us. Yeah. Lighthouser. Yep. Uh, it's light. Lighthouser. Uh, hard yeah. T. Hard T. Thanks. Thanks for doing that detective work, by the way. Okay, Mount Rushmore. In honor of Valentine's Day, which just passed, we wanted to do our Mount Rushmore of love songs. Slash heartbreaking songs. That's right. This is a really good question. Um, I kind of split mine up into a half and half. I did my first two as being like actual love love songs that are yeah. not, that are pretty nice, and then I have the second half being like heart wrenching, sad as fuck ones. Okay. Um, do you want to go first? Uh, sure. I'm gonna have to. Yeah, just pick from this list. Okay, I got something by the Beatles. I think an all time love song. Um, one of my favorite songs of all time. I'm going to go with, uh, from the sort of devastating sad category, I'm going to go Lost Cause by Beck. Mm, that's a good um, one. That's off Sea Change, all-time breakup album. Yep. Um, really sad song. Uh, I'm going to go, this is kind of a weird love song. I'm going to go, I went to the store one love day it. by I Father John pick. Misty. Love this pick. Because um, it's like this tender send-off to an album that is uh, sort of, all has his, love. yeah, it's all about love, but it also has his weird sardonic takes on love and, and modern life. Um, I'm going to have to make a quick pick on this last one. I'm going to go with Maybe I'm Amazed by Paul McCartney. So that's two great. Beatles, technically kind of beatles picks on there. I think that's an all-time great song. And it's, I it, agree. And it's also an all-time great love song. I agree. So there's my um, I also have something by the Beatles. If you don't include something, the the George Harrison cut from Abbey Road. That's right. You're doing something wrong because even Frank Sinatra said it's one of the greatest love songs ever written. So I have something. He used to say it was his favorite Fav- Lennon McCartney song. Yeah, that's right. Something in the way she moves. Um, Bridge over troubled water by Simon and Garfunkel. This one is not explicitly about love necessarily, but I think the sentiment of it. Falls in with how you would feel about yeah, it's loving about, someone. It's, it's actually about like kind of mature love. It's very, about very support. much being there for someone. Your kind bridge of, over troubled water, no matter what. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The shoulder to cry on. So those are my kind of two like uplift songs. These next two are more of the sad, harsh reality of love. I have "Don't Think Twice, It's All Right" by Bob Dylan. This awesome, is awesome a great song to listen to if you have been broken up with or even if you broke up with someone and you want to like give them a big fuck you where it's like there's a lot of good biting lines on this there is uh so don't think twice it's all right my last one i had a lot of options to pick through here um i'm gonna go with love is all by tallest man on earth who we just referenced actually um that's a good modern day little folky love song i think so i'm gonna 
I'm going to go with that one. There you go. That's Mount Rushmore for you for this week with Valentine's Heartbreaking Slash Love Songs. Our next segment. Oh, this is going to be fun. This is going to be fun. This is, this is quickly turning into my favorite segment we do. Awesome. I'm happy. So the next segment is Two Truths and a Lie. Two so Truths and a Lie. If you caught last week's episode, uh, the premise of this game, one of us researches a band find three factoids, one of which is false, we make it up, two of which are true, we try to trick the other person. Last week I did Pearl Jam, and I couldn't bluff enough to trick That's Sean. Right. That's right. Uh, so now, Sean, who are you doing for your band this so, week? So, this past week I've been doing a big deep dive into Titus Andronicus, Ooh. who we also just mentioned in our Hot Streak section. Uh, they... We mentioned, like, every band we like in that section. <laughs> no, pretty much. Uh, they are a punk band from... New Jersey via Brooklyn via a bunch of like that whole area. Joyzy. Um yeah. So lead lead singer, songwriter. It's really Patrick Stickle's band. He's the creative force behind Titus Andronicus. So I've been listening to all their stuff this week. I've been way into it. So I thought I would do two truths and a lie for Titus. Jake doesn't know them as well, so this could be a challenge for so you. So here's the question: Is am I actually better off for knowing nothing? This is really just this. All this is this is a test of my ability to take a multiple choice. It really is to answer a multiple choice question. Yeah, it is. Because uh, like I'm gonna be looking for clues in just the wording. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Okay. Two truths and a lie. I'm gonna read you three facts. Facts. One of them is not a fact. One of them is an alternative fact. One, that's right. One of them is fake news. Okay. All right. First one. Ready. The song, My Eating Disorder, from the 2012 album Local Business, is about frontman Travis Stickles suffering from selective eating disorder. Was that a was that a, an accidental slip-up, calling him Travis Sickles? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Patrick. Patrick, sorry. I was like, is that really what he's going to do to you know, trip me up? You know why? Because whenever I think of Patrick Stickles, for some reason I think of Travis Bickle from uh, Taxi Driver. Okay, yeah, that that makes sense. So I always not yeah. a lot of last names. Pa- I'm with Pickle, Patrick, Tommy, Pickles. Patrick Stickles. Yeah. Okay, so actually say that again. Yeah, the song "My Eating Disorder" from the 2012 album Local Business is about frontman Patrick Stickles suffering from selective eating disorder. Okay. Number two, the name of Titus Andronicus's debut album, "The Airing of Grievances." is a reference to the Seinfeld holiday of Festivus. Third one, uh, Patrick Stickles is a founding member of the Brooklyn DIY venue, Shea Stadium. Okay. If I'm not familiar with Titus Andronicus, I would think any one of these could be true. Could be true or false. Right. 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 I wouldn't know what the fuck to do on this. Okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pick... The airing of grievances one because that seems like the most obvious to be true. It's, that one as true. I'm gonna no, I'm pick that as false. Okay, so you're saying the two facts are the my eating disorder yep. one and the and Shea Stadium, the one. Shea Stadium one. You are incorrect. Damn. The alternative fact, the fake news here, is that he is not a founding member of, of Shea, Shea Stadium. Stadium. This is tricky, though, because he has worked as a ticket taker oh, at Shea Stadium, okay. and Titus Andronicus is basically like the house band for Shea Stadium. So I'll give you what my logic was. The the airing of grievances thing, when I saw that album title, I immediately thought of, of Festivus and, and George Costanza's dad. So I was like, okay, this somehow 
isn't actually a reference to Because you that. wouldn't think a band like Titus Andronicus would be making a Seinfeld right. reference. Like and that. I was like, okay, so yeah, basically they, that seems really obvious. Like, okay, yeah, that's a reference to Seinfeld. And Sean thinks, like, I know Seinfeld, so I'll that's think that's a, true. That's, a, that's great logic, and that's what I was hoping for All right. with this. So you double-tricked yep. me. And that's then, a good. And then, yes, I think maybe the most obvious one is the My Eating Disorder one, yep. um, that he does have selective eating disorder. That felt so. specific enough where it, exactly. it was, it was yep. real to me. Good logic. I like your logic. I specifically made these questions to play into that logic. Okay. Fell into my trap, into my clutches. You got me. You got me. I think I would have gotten you last week if it weren't for my. <laughs> oh, you would have. You would have. That was tricky. That was tricky. What you have to do with these is you have to do a half truth yeah. in the one that's actually wrong. You do. You have to do it close, but not actually. I'm excited to run this back next I week. Am too. I'm going to try to get you on some band. I am too. So we're going to jump in now to our last and final segment in what has been an exhaustive, long episode. Long episode. A lot of fun, though. I had f- this is a good episode. It was good. It was good. Um, last segment, recommendation of the week. Mm-hmm. Sean, what do you got? All right. Hey, I'm sticking with Titus Andronicus. I've been way in on them. In general, just listen to them. But if you want one specific song that gets away from maybe some of the bombast and the -the over-the-top themes of the Monitor or even the most lamentable tragedy, which is like a triple album, check out the song In a Big City off of Local Business. Local Business was their album where they just stripped things back. They're like, we want to make a road-ready Album that we can just play straight up at shows. So, In a Big City is pretty straight ahead punk. It builds to a nice chorus, catchy ending. Uh, so, check that song out. My um, pick of the week, my recommendation of the week, is the band's Tinari Wen, their new album, Elwan. So, this is an album that I saw getting good reviews on Metacritic. <laughs> Tenari Wen is a band from the Sahara Desert region of northern Mali oh my God. in Africa. Um, and so these guys are singing in another language. And I don't yeah. know exactly which it is, but it's like a Middle Eastern dialect, it sounds yeah. like. Um, but they're playing like kind of like blues rock guitar. Wow. With a twinge of that, like a Middle Eastern flair in the style they play. I've listened like four times to yeah. this album. Um, and I actually kind of really like it. Yeah. I'm itch- I mean, I am recommending it more to people just to see what people think of it. Yeah. Because, like, I, maybe it's not for you. I could see that. But the style. Is is really interesting, and they like they're they're definitely singing in in like a style you'd assume. I I remember I yeah I looked I was looking at Metacritic and I saw this had like a really high score, really high score, and I was like, what is this? Just based off of the name, the description, I was like, I'm not, I don't think I'm ready for this, and I'm not gonna listen. I just I'm glad to give you it a did. Go. I'm glad you did. It's, Look it's, at these dudes. I, this is exactly what I thought it would be based off of the description and the name and everything. Interesting. Very interesting. It's shocking. And I mean, again, I don't want to, again, this is profiling and I don't mean to, but that, like, it's just, it's cool to see this rock band. These are these guys from Northern Africa in like turbans and, yeah. and, and long billowy cloaks. This dude's playing, they're playing these Fender instruments. They got a Strat and a Tele. This dude's playing a, a Fender bass upside couple, down, lefty. Fender shills. They are. The, I gotta say, man, I mean, I've enjoyed a lot of the songs on here. Listen to the first track on this album. Okay, and just like, yeah, listen to what they're out. doing with the guitar. It's really cool. I'll check it out. I'll check it out. All right. 
Tinaruwen. Sounds like a fucking elf from Lord of the Rings. Sounds Tinaruwen. like Arwen's cousin. You know what else does is Elwan, the name of the album. <laughs> yeah, that's, the name of the album. That's Elrond's sister. Elwan. I think Elwan means elephant. If I, I okay. that could be totally okay. false. Jake's learning another language. Yeah, I, I'm, uh, I'm trilingual now. It's like now. Muzzy. Yeah, I'm, remember, I, I'm, remember I'm Muzzy. Now, I do remember Muzzy. Remember Rosetta Stone. Yeah. I'm trilingual now. I got English on lock. I now have whatever language this is. Yep. And I have Pig Latin down. Ooh. So. Three okay. trilingual come at me. Wow. You know, prove okay. me wrong. I have trash talk in, in my... So you're bilingual. My, yeah. yeah. I, Which, can... a little teaser for the after show, nice little story about trash talk. That's right. Gotta it's, tease that. That's right. You gotta, you gotta give it a tease. tease. And you know what? Come at me when you're trilingual. How's that for some trash talk? So now I'm four-way lingual. I, like I just that. added trash I like talk that. to my repertoire. I like that a lot. Yeah. Uh, that wraps up this episode of the Listening Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter, at Listening Pod. Send us some tweets. Send us mailbag questions that we'll answer on uh, future episodes. Or, I, or, or Mount Rushmore's. Like uh, big friend of the pod, Laura Dern slash Kelsey That's did. That's right. Or, so, yeah, s- or us- two truths and a lie ideas. Yeah. I like it. All right. See you next week. Thanks, everyone. Mike is on, and uh, we're officially rolling. Okay, I, I have a, a kind of a funny story. I'm excited tell. about that. But wait, you made me wait on this. Yeah. So, for a little context, I play on a rec basketball team on Monday nights. It's a, it's a, um, I'm I, both genders. There's a name for that. Coed. It's a coed. Thank you. That's a normal word that I just forgot. I don't really totally know what coed like stands for. Coeducational. Maybe. Maybe. But, yeah, it's a co-ed league. Uh, So there's girls. You have to have two girls on the floor at all times. Yeah. Um, So it's three guys, two girls. You're playing. Is it true that that goes the other way, too? Can you have five girls on the floor? Oh, you can have as many girls as you want. Oh, ah, I think you can have as many girls as you want. Uh, No. I think it's two, minimum two, of opposite gender, actually. Okay. So if you had, like, the fucking WNBA All-Stars, yep. I don't think you could actually have all no. five of them play. So you can't run out there with... No, I don't think so. Like, the, the starting lineup for the LA Sparks. No, no. <laughs> and if you're trying to, like, win this rec league. No, in New Hampshire. Yeah. Continue. So, okay, New Hampshire rec basketball on Monday nights played at the local parish's gym. I think I think I know where you're going with this. This is really high stakes. Yeah, is so high stakes. Right. So high stakes. I play this to have a little fun. Yep. To get a sweat on. Yeah, to get a little workout in, Work keep active, you know, just go have fun. So And you're a good basketball player. I'm I'll say what you won't. No, I'm like I'm like a decent player. I have lost a lot of the skill because I don't like practice. You're a good shoot. basketball player, you're good. Uh, okay, thank you. Thank you. So we end up playing this was last Monday, so this was a few days ago. We end up playing the number one team in this league. Okay, they win the league every single year. They stack it with the best players, top to bottom. Their roster is awesome. Do they go undefeated? Yes, except once last year we played them. We actually beat them by two points. W. They were so fucking pissed. I could imagine. They were. They are yelling at the refs. They're doing all sorts of stuff. So this year, this session, we come around. We play them. And you know they're harboring a little bit of resentment for us beating them because we didn't even make it to the championship to rematch them last time. We lost in the playoffs. So, like, this team sucks. Like, we we should blow them out. 
But the weird thing is, we always play this team close. For some reason, we match up well with them. You're in their head. We, I think, I think so. We have a lot of confidence when we play them. We play really good defense when we play them. So, what ends up happening? Uh, not a lot of people showed up to this game for our team. Some people were sick. Other people were busy. So we only had one guy sub. Usually I come off the bench. I'm like a sixth man Manu Ginobili type mm-hmm. of guy. Eric Williams. That's right. Archetype. That's right. Ricky Davis. Uh, so I I come off. I, I'm I'm used to coming off the bench. Yeah. I end up starting this game against like these like like a big black dude. This dude who he's like five ten, but he's like really strong and fast and athletic. Who plays point guard for them? Bunch of shooters that are like my height, but like way stronger than me. Um, so I'm out there. I'm like, great, okay. Like this is gonna be a tough. Were you nervous? Yeah, a little bit, honestly. Yeah, a little be, bit because yeah. I'm like, these guys are. I like. I'm like. I'm a decent athlete. Yeah. But I'm like an off the couch athlete. These right. guys, you can tell, like hit the gym, they put in the work. Are, are playing basketball like four times a week, really, really care about it. And really it. quick, just for reference, those are the dudes who ruin these leagues. Yes. Because if yes. you're, I, like, we were in a flag football league together with some friends, um, friends of the pod. And there was a team that came with, like, the, this dude had, like, eye black and a fucking <laughs> mouth guard right. and, like, knee pads. Right. And, like, he came, he was, like, doing no look fucking. <laughs> Like ropes down the middle <laughs> yeah. for fifteen yard gains. This team is the equivalent of that team and the other Hardo teams that we would play in basketball. So I was like a little nervous, sure, um, because some of the other really our best players on our team also take it seriously, and I'm like I don't want to let them down. I don't want them to like you know be pissed at me or anything. It sounds like a lot of pressure. So was we end up was we Mitch end, there? Uh, no, Mitch was not there. Oh. Mitch was not there. Um, so we tip off. We're playing. Good defense is being played. We actually get up. We're up like 4-0, 4-2 or something. Wow. So what ends up happening is... Game over. We're coming down the floor. We're on like a fast break. Um, I'm like closer to the basket. We end up throwing the ball away. They get a steal. And this dude who's like 5'10", really athletic, really strong, he he gets the ball. He steals it. He's the one who steals it. He fires... Or he, he's, he gets the ball. He goes, we'll take that. We'll take that. He's like starting to talk trash. I'm like, okay... He fires it down the floor. We immediately pick off his pass, and we steal it right back. I go up. I'm like, we'll take that. We'll take that. <laughs> like, clearly making fun of him. Yeah. Because, like, A, you're taking this way too seriously. Right. B, it's, like, two seconds into the game. C, like, what? Do you, why? Why are you doing this? Why initiate traffic? So I'm, like, like yeah. making fun of him. Sure. And being, like, you see how much, like, your fucking will take that thing mattered? You just threw it away yourself. Yeah. This guy... Was too dumb to understand that I was like making fun of him. Yeah. He thought I was legitimately trash talking him back. He turns to me. He goes, "Bro, you're trash. You can't talk to me like that." And I'm like, "Dude, it's a rec basketball league." He's like, "Oh, now you're gonna speak on it?" And I was like, "Okay, man. Like, whatever." He's like, "You need to stick to ultimate frisbee because <laughs> like I'm like a tall, like you know, like white bread dude." And I just like laugh and walk away, but. This dude starts coming at me for the next five minutes on the court. He's, like, making sure he, like, boxes my ass out. He's making sure that if I ever get the ball, he's, like, d'ing up on me. And I'm like, fuck. Like, I opened up this can of worms on this Were you able guy. to do anything on him? Or No, I didn't even really try because I'm like, this dude's better than me. He is, like, going to try really, really hard because he thought I was trash-talking him. But 
just an unreal amount of hardness for this wreck basketball. Yeah, that's league. a little much. I'm like, dude, I'm like, should I have said that back to him, knowing the type of guy that this guy is? Probably not. But also, like. How dumb do you have to be <laughs> to think that I'm actually trash talking you? Well, even if he didn't, though, the thing is, like, even if he didn't think it was legitimate trash talk, maybe he was like, oh, he's making fun of me, and I, that, that pisses me off. Yeah, maybe. That could have been it, too. Yeah, maybe. But that's stupid, dude. It's, it is stupid. It is that's stupid. That's crazy. I, dude, the idea people who get that into it in a rec athletic league, a, a beer league, no less. It is, yeah. Yeah, we get deals at the fucking local bar for, like... $2 drinks after. That's like, unbelievable. Like, <laughs> Did you score on this guy at all? Um, I, I had like six points in this game. You had the height advantage. A lot of rebounds. They, we ended up playing zone and stuff. So. Did you guys get the winner? We, uh, we kept it close most of the game. They ended up pulling away. It was actually the refs had to stop the game at one point and have the team captains from both sides come and talk to each other because there was so much like snippiness and chippiness and like yelling at the refs and yelling at each other about foul calls, it started to get really intense. One of the dudes on our team like screamed at a girl because she like claimed she didn't foul him or something. And like it was a bunch of like bullshit happening on both sides. Was that it must have made you uncomfortable? It is weird because like I don't ever do that. Like even if it's a terrible call, the most I do is like I give a quick face where I'm like, really? And then I stop and I like go back down the court because I'm like, it doesn't matter. Nothing you say is going to make them change their call. Right. So who cares? Yeah. Like, don't have the refs end up being annoyed with you because you won't ever get a call later on. It's crazy how seriously some people yeah. take these leagues. It's insane. Yeah. It ruins it a little bit. It does. It does. It I don't like playing bit. that team. Um, it sucks. Yeah. And they think they're fucking hot shit because they beat us in this wreck game. <laughs> and, like, this dude could... Trash talk me a little bit. You know what? Hey, good for him. <laughs> Calling me trash. <laughs> he said you trash. He's like he's like you're trash, man. You're trash. You can't you can't speak to me. Well, you right. can't speak on me. I was like, okay, okay, dude. Oh, all right. Sorry, sorry, I spoke to you. <laughs> yeah, like I'm not even completely sure what that means in this game. Yeah. The only trash talk story I have, I never. So when I played high school sports, the only sport I played was football because I was a offensive lineman, so mm -hmm. I played guard. Just a body to throw into the breach. Yeah, just that, absolutely. <laughs> it was the annual Turkey Bowl. Yeah, and we were playing Memorial High School, and I was I was like blocking some guy, and he, like, I think a couple times had told me I was like holding him. He was like, like stop holding me. Yeah, he said that a bunch of I times. I hate when people do that when they're like, this happens in basketball sometimes too. With a like, dude, you like, don't come over the back like that. Like, it's dangerous. It's like, fuck you. No, it's not dangerous. He's like, dude, come on, man. You got, you got to stop holding. Like, they, yeah. they say that to me in basketball too. I'm like, dude, anything goes like in the paint. If I'm not getting called for it, shut your fucking mouth. Right, exactly. And it's like if I'm not right, exactly. And the most with offensive line, it's like if if you're not getting called for it, you're not holding bad enough. Right. That's the thing. Right. And some people, my coach, I remember he used to say, the head coach of my team once said, if you're not holding, you're not trying. <laughs> right. It's, but yeah. anyway, so the only trash talk I ever said, it's not even trash talk, because I just said, fuck you, to this kid. <laughs> <laughs> it was the only thing I ever said in in two years of, like, starting on my football team. <laughs> not even trash talk. Just fuck you. <laughs> Just going, cutting right to the yeah, quick. Like, on dude, it. No, yeah. you're gonna tell. Like, first of all, we're blowing you out. Yeah, I'm not holding you. Right. Like, you suck. <laughs> <laughs> you're not good. 
<laughs> yeah. Anyways. Wow. That's that. Wow. Yeah. So. Uh, so you know, we're actually. I think the moral of that is we're a couple of tough guys, a couple of bad boys. Yeah, we are. Sort bad of the, boy Pistons. Sort of, <laughs> sort of the bad boys of podcasts. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. a couple of bad boys. You're right. <laughs> All right, you ready to dive yeah, in? Yeah, it's gonna be a long up. episode. It is. It is. It's gonna be a long one. All right, ready? Yep. Three, two, one. <laughs>